Hey, hey, this is John Goldman. You're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash on Radio Harbor Country, WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. Uh, very excited to have with us today, well, by telephone, uh, musician Joy, Joe George out of Chicago. And uh, we'll listen to some of his songs and get a chance to talk with him. He's uh, going to be doing a double bill with Abby Thomas on uh, April 30th at the Acorn Theater during Art Attack Weekend. It's going to be a really great show. These guys are both awesome. Both are um, winners of the uh, singer-songwriter competitions over the years. And uh, last time I saw Joe George was when he opened for Dan Navarro. Um, Maybe it was last spring. Uh, anyway, it was a great show. He was terrific, and it was kind of funny because he kind of had a like he had a similar look to Dan Navarro, so it was almost like a father son thing. But we're gonna get to talk with with Joe. Uh, but in the meantime, I want to play one of his songs for you. So hold on, here you go. And there we go. That was How Will We Do? It's by Joe George. And uh, off of his most recent 2018 album 
called uh, Beautiful Dreams that came out in 2018, uh, as did uh, the, the song Leave It At The Door, which is a single from that same year. Um, what we might get to talk to Joe about is uh, his latest song, Simple As It Goes, which is just released as a single in 2022. So uh, looking forward to talking to Joe, and he's going to be with us in just a moment. Hey, Joe, how you doing? I'm doing great, John. All right. Thanks so got, much for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, Joe George here, uh, um, and uh, really happy to be able to talk with you. Uh, so we were just listening to um, uh, one of your songs from the 2008 album, um, uh, Beautiful Dreams. Yeah. Yeah. So that's... 2018 album. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Did I say 2003? You're right. No, 2018. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, that's that's your first album? Is that, uh, is that how you're That's looking? correct. Okay, because yeah, there's a lot of first. other activity on Spotify as well. You've got uh, all kinds of singles up and... Um, but that's the first full f- album that you got. That's right. That was the first full-length album that was released. And that album was released um, on a label in Germany. Um, right. So, so what's the significance that of that? Is it uh, distribution um, is uh, easier or harder because it was um, on a German label? How does that work? Um, you know, it's, it was just kind of... Um, you know, like many other things in this business, just kind of uh, random, you know, um, opportunities. Uh-huh, and, sure. You know, uh, I was on tour with Europe in Europe with another project, and and um, there was a, a label that uh, that took interest in kind of what I was doing, just being kind of Midwestern, uh, kind of folk Americana solo artist. And, um, oh, that's funny. <laughs> so folk Midwestern folk Americana plays well in Germany, it sounds like. Yeah, you know, and, and it was, it, it does, and, and it was um, one of those things that was just, you know, a particular label was looking for that kind of artist for their roster, you know, so, uh-huh. so, so then we just kind of kept in touch, and then I finished the record, and they said they wanted to put it out and help with, with some distribution over there, some promotion, um, you know, and so I went on tour over there after that record, which was great, too, and, and uh, yeah, you know, it's, um, it was an interesting it was an interesting way to roll that record out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. So let's let's back it up a little bit. Um, well, first sure. of all, you're playing at the Acorn on uh, April 30th and doing yes. a, a co-headline with Abby Thomas. Uh, have Cannot you, wait. Have you played with Abby Thomas before? I've she, not played with Abby. I've only checked her out online, and, and, and what a treat that night's going to be. It's oh, be yeah, awesome. it is. It's going to be so much fun. And you've got a prior relationship with the Acorn, right? Like, I mean, I know I saw you. Um, you opened for Dan Navarro. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. That was a, so a fun, fun night. And uh, you were great. Um, Thank you. And um, but but you've been at the Acorn before. Were you part of the uh, uh, singer-songwriter competition? Yes, that was the first uh, my first my entryway into the Acorn was uh right. was uh in that competition. So um and so what, that was great. What year did you do that uh singer songwriter competition there? I, I think that was um man, it was either twenty seventeen. Okay. So it was before your Beautiful Dreams album came out. That's right. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so I had just kind of started doing the solo thing. At that point, I uh-huh. um, just kind of started to play around a little bit. I had all these songs and I come from kind of more of like a rock punk rock world, um, you know, really? previous to, to previous to this solo uh-huh. project. And so it was my first time kind of like playing these songs that I had and go, getting around a little bit and put, performing them solo just with just me and acoustic guitar. And so I, I saw this thing at the acorn and I thought, well, I'd like to check this place out. And, and, uh, and maybe submit something and you know see how it goes it ended up going great and i you know ended up winning the uh competition that year which was which was awesome so all the judges that i paid off really paid <laughs> off you know um <laughs> and so yeah and then i laugh because then, they can't be bought i, I know they that. cannot be bought no i know <laughs> they are pure they are pure um it's uh the acorn since then has has been like family to me. I mean, every time I walk through those doors, it's like yeah. the folks there are so sweet, so generous, so supportive, and they they treat me like um you know like I'm a nephew or something. It's great. 
That is really nice. And I think that the, the feeling's mutual, you know, someone who takes an interest in, in um, entering the competition and, and putting, their, putting their all into it, you know, that's, that's really what the acorn is all about. Um, Absolutely. So, uh, you know, we're doing another one this year, but I, I, don't, I wonder if <laughs> you might not be eligible since, since you've had all the success since uh, doing it the last time. I'm not sure how that works. Oh, yeah, no, totally. <laughs> I'll, I'll, you know, there's plenty of – I'm sure it's, it's hard to even vet, like, with how many great songwriters there are just in the area and in the region. You know, it's like, uh, you know. I'll leave it for for the next ones to come on through. So I was uh, I I did not know that you had you know a punk rock background, especially after. Well, I gotta say, you know, listening to the beginning of of some of the songs, it, there's a real um, melody to them, and uh, you know your voice comes through, and the, the violins. But then at the end, you know, and then the abrupt end to like, um, let's see, what song did I just. Uh, hear this on um how will we do you know it starts out it's like real um uh melodic and then at the end it's almost like cacophonic you know you end just like a um kind of like day in the life kind of end to it uh where it just builds up and then Uh, so I, I can under, I can sort of see when you said you were in a punk rock band, I can kind of see where, you know, that bled through to some of your own stuff. And, but I, I'm curious, you know, what, uh, what kind of punk rock work were you doing? Were you working with a, a band or doing uh, solo stuff? Oh yeah. I mean, I was in various bands, um, and just being a guitar player, um, you know, it's always, or it's often been about, playing loudly and playing you know aggressively and emotionally um those just those are kind of like the worlds that i come from not that i always wasn't also listening to um uh george harrison and bob dylan and uh tom waits and you know these artists that were just more like kind of like solo voiced uh so i think that you know, for example, like that kind of stuff, that kind of production idea on how will we do, it's more of like the emotional attitude of those worlds and those colors. And like, you know, you can have simple songs that have simple messages, but for me, it's also important uh, when I feel that the song is calling for it to, to have some kind of disruption or some kind of, Uh um, some kind of, uh, you know, I don't know, I guess maybe some kind of like ugliness or maybe not ugliness, some kind of uh, just different texture that is not about just being pretty or just trying to be beautiful or just right. trying to be uh, pleasant. It's like we are, you know, I, I do, especially on that record, right, in themes that are, there are, that that's overall, I, there's a lot of like kind of darkness on that record. There's, there's yeah. there are lyric songs about genocide and songs about war and songs about uh marginalized uh people and and so it's like some kind of disruption and some kind of texture like that i thought was necessary yeah i i I hear what you're saying is this um something that you've done in um some of your prior writing as well or was it was it crafted as part of this album that you put together um yeah, maybe it was always there somewhere prior as well. And this record, my first record was really, you know, I, I had a lot of back and forth in my own head about about doing the solo thing, even in general, and like what that meant to me and what why it was important for me to do so. And, and it became clear the things that I was writing about were uh, larger, you know, sometimes even global and social issues that I felt compelled to write about yeah what, um, what would you, you say know? that that um how will we do song what what was that about in your mind oh um i mean how will we do i i think is is well the title is a question um and the lyrics are is a series of other questions um about uh how will we do um how will we how how will we sustain society how will we sustain relationship how will we sustain um i think that particularly there were some things going on in the middle east uh that i was writing that i was pointing to uh that speak to 
um, marginalization, uh, religious strife, religious uh, persecution, um, the idea of uh, if you're not part of what we think, then you are something else. That mm-hmm. Those kinds of ideas. How will we do if we continue to uh, drive that dagger? And how will we do if we continue to like shake that bone? So um, I think that's where it comes from. A lot of my songs are questions, I find. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. More questions than answers. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't purport to have the answers, but I, I, I do have a lot of questions. Well, so. just developing the question shows, you know, an, a, uh, um, an advanced, um, you know, approach to these kinds of things as opposed to just letting them go or... We're even trying to describe it. You're you're identifying, sure. you know, these these issues that are out there. Sure. So where did your uh, career start? You know, I mean, I guess it's hard to define. You know, when when a career starts, but you know, you're um, you're doing this as you're uh, you're doing this now as um, uh, as uh, your regular day to day kind of thing. And so, when did that start? Did you? first you know begin playing when you were younger and and uh yeah okay definitely been playing for a long time you know like i started playing out in just cafes and stuff like that you know at a pretty young age uh-huh. um maybe 13 or 14. wow okay and then um you know so was uh, the guitar your first instrument the piano because yes. i know that you have a lot of musical instruments under your belt now Guitar was definitely the first instrument. Guitar was like, you know, I was like 10 years old and I, and I you know, I wanted to play guitar more than anything. Uh, Christmas Day, Santa Claus dropped a guitar down the chimney <laughs> and it was, uh, it was perfect. Um, and so, filled with yeah, soot. So, and, uh, so the, it, it's, um, you know, performing has always been part of the deal. Um, and, and now it's like, you know, I definitely, this is a part of what I do is, you know, write songs, produce them the way that I feel uh, they should be produced and get out on the road and play them if there's not a pandemic. Yeah, and right. They, so, <laughs> but there's also, that that's also um, combined with lots of other work in the music business, just session work, playing on other people's records, uh, producing yeah. other artists, writing music for film and TV or for theater, um, all kinds of just different facets of, uh, of the industry that I try to stay, um, I just try to stay active in these other areas. Um, and uh, yeah, just I, I think it helps me try to be more well-rounded and try to meet more artists and, and collaborate with more different kinds of art and stuff like that. So when you were playing in cafes and, and coffee shops and stuff, when you were 13 years old, uh, yeah. had, were you doing your own songs? Were you doing other people's songs? Were you doing the pop songs? Was doing, no, I was doing, doing, doing like covers, um, you know, Beatles, uh, sing, singing Beatles songs, singing, you know, a lot of like old, like 60s stuff. I was obsessed yeah, with how like fun, 60s yeah. pop. Oh yeah, I, love uh, so that kind I of would stuff. be singing like the Beatles and the Turtles and and uh, the Kinks uh-huh, and yeah. the Stones, and so it was kind of like I think it was also also kind of just like novelty too, because like if there was anybody that was over the age, of, like anybody any middle aged people there at the cafe, they'd be looking at this thirteen year old like yeah. kind of like doing this stuff from their era, and they'd be like yeah. looking at me like what 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 the hell are you doing singing these songs that right. are our favorite songs? It's like, <laughs> they're my they're my favorite songs too. <laughs> how fun is that yeah. the kind of stuff that you you know heard around the house and I mean, how did you get interested in in that genre of songs yeah my mom's side of the family so my mom is one of nine she, she has eight siblings uh-huh. and, they, 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 and they each have multiple i have so many cousins and that side <laughs> of the family is huge and and music that music i mean the beatles um were like that, that I mean, I I treat it as it was part of my upbringing. The Beatles, right, right. like the Beatles, that was the soundtrack. There was when the family would get together, we would sing Beatles songs together, like oh, just fun. open, just out in the open. Like it was like you know, uh, it's really special. Any other so, musicians in your family then, or you were the, you my, became the one to get out there and uh, and play everyone else's dreams, basically. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I've I've pursued it the most, but there are definitely a few other musicians in my family, a few of my cousins play, a few of my cousins that are really 
great players and um, that are like kind of, you know, doing their own thing in their own, you know, in their own dynamic too. So, um, the but yeah, for me, jam. it was like, it was, it was evident to me at an early age that, it, that I really wanted to make a go at this and like, you know, write music and get out there and, and um, play it for as many people as uh, are willing to listen. When did you first start writing music? Man, I, I think that like right when I got that guitar from Sam. Really? Wow. I mean, like yeah, 10 it was years like, old. That's great. You know, I, I definitely, I would sit on the edge of my bed. I would try to learn Beatles songs. And I would also try to learn, like I had like a heavy metal phase too. So I tried to learn like Metallica and Pantera. And, and, and that, but I, I think that simultaneously I was just, you know, playing around with like creating my own little riffs that, you know, yeah. um, maybe, maybe it'd become a song. Maybe it'd be terrible. Maybe it'd be, you know, something that got me excited, but I was always just experimenting with how different combinations of notes and chords work together. And, you know, always, always trying to create new things for sure. And then, uh, you, when did you first start, you know, kind of playing your own songs? Was it when you would go to the coffee shops and stuff and then, uh, you play some covers and then get to play your own songs or how did that, yeah, how, did you, how yeah. did you get into yeah. at the cafes in those early days? There, there were, you know, I'd slip in an original, you know, here or there, you know, we, we thankfully there are no recordings of that right now. You, know? so <laughs> you say that sure now, but you know, you. but, but I'm, you know, I play some songs and slip in my, you know, maybe one of my tunes or something. And, um, yeah, that was, that was, that was part of the deal. Did you, um, uh, have any, you know, recordings that you put out at that early age or, uh, I mean, I know that this, uh, this latest album from 2018 was, um, you know, your first official album, but did you do any recording prior to that? Oh yeah. Tons. I mean, tons. Yeah. We, those, those recording stuff, you know, trying to record things, however, however I could, however we could, whoever I was playing with, you know, like, just always um, keep, so, you know, we were making recordings and, you know, it, it, nothing, you know, we, we would make recordings, pass them around at the school, you know, like get, get other, our classmates to like hear, hear it and stuff like that. And, right. Um, but you know, it's like, then did you obviously to, that's, did you go to oh, school go for music? I did. Yeah. So I went to Berkeley college of music. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, Susan Tedeschi's an alumnus. Of yeah. The, yeah. That's, uh, um, well that, that's, um, that's the place for sure. <laughs> it was a wonderful experience for me. It was totally awesome. Um, I learned a great deal, um, that I still apply to this day. Um, and yeah, it, you know, it was a, it was really, it was very intense, um, uh, very competitive that, and that turns off for, that turns a lot of people off to it. Lots sure. Of don't really yeah. Have a good time there because they get kind of drawn into this competitive thing I, for whatever reason, was able to kind of just stay, I don't know, stay the course, focus on my songwriting, focus on learning and try to not, because that it's like, that's a place where like, there's always like so many people that are way better than you technically. Did it feel you know? like that? Or, or objectively, yeah. you could say that that guy's much better than me. I guess, you know, when you're, when you're in a school setting like that with grades, then that yeah. comes out. But yeah, you know, totally. I, it can be, you know, and, and for, for an 18 year old or 19 year old mind, you yeah. know, like there's, you're, you're discovering a lot of other things just about yourself and how you deal with, you know, rejection and, and these, these universal things that, that maybe you hadn't had to deal with yet. And then all of a sudden you're in a school with, where everybody where you know, a lot of, a lot of these kids are really, really good at what they do. And a lot of these kids were the big fish in the small pond right. where they come, you know, they were the best player in their hometown for sure. Right. And now they're, and now they're here and it's like, Oh wait, what did, did you hear what she just did? Or did you listen to what that guy just did? Like, you know, so it kind of puts a different spin on it for me. That was a good thing. Um, I treated that healthily. Um, but for a lot of other kids, it's like, you know, it's, that was you, too you, much, too you much bogged, pressure. bogged down on that. Yeah, totally. You know, the funny thing is, is that music is one of those things where, it, it a, a music um, education is uh, can be a, a hindrance or it can be an advantage, especially if you're going to be a, a performer. I mean, I guess yeah. that uh, a music education is is really great for um, some of the technical stuff involved. Um, but 
you know, think about how many musicians out there have can't even read music, you know, and they're or or have never really Absolutely. had any music theory. They're just feeling it. And so for you to have taken that to that next level, you know, sometimes it's uh, a, a it, I guess what I'm getting at, yeah. sometimes it really doesn't even make a difference when you're um, becoming a musician. And that's it, because it's a it becomes what people like, what people are excited to hear. And Absolutely. so you could I mean, be, a, so you know, true. have an A, you know, uh, A plus average and uh, never sell a record, you know, and nobody wants to listen. <laughs> no, exactly. No, it's very true. It's like that's part of the part of the mind fuzz around that, you know, it's music like, education. Yeah. And for me, the way that I've kind of chosen to to um, uh, embrace the education is that is to kind of compartmentalize these these different worlds. I didn't learn in that way. Uh-huh. I didn't. I learned. I, I learned by ear. I learned. Um, I just Rolling. I, I just want to learn how to play "Give Me Shelter" by the Rolling Stones. So I'm sitting and listen to the record until I figure out how to play it. Yeah. Or I'm going to listen to "A Hard Day's Night." I'm going to figure out how to play it. So definitely not a trained, you know, world. But and that's how I and, and that's how I write songs as well. When I'm writing songs, I'm not thinking about the theory. I'm not thinking about, oh, wouldn't it be cool to do this or that. But then when it comes to, say, arranging a string quartet part for the, for the song. Right, right. Then it's like, okay, I put on the other hat and, you know, okay, cool. The cello is going to do this. The viola is going to do this. And the violins are going to do this. And I can write it all out and I can speak that language with those players and they can say, okay, cool. I get it. And then, the, you know, and then we can record it. So it's just, I try to kind of work both sides of that. It's mostly from the feel, from the heart. And then when, yeah. when the time comes to, dive in a little bit deeper and you got to get on the staff to do it. It's like, okay, let's do that. That's really interesting. So the whole creativity part, uh, I mean, you know, you're not, you're not forgetting things that you learned at school, but that's not what you're, you're not, um, using school, uh, to create the songs that still comes from the heart. That still comes from, you know, deep inside somewhere. Have you ever really thought about like where these songs come from? I mean, I've heard people talk about, you know, I don't know. They just they just come to me, and uh, you know, sometimes oh. it's in a dream. Sometimes it's you know, yeah, no, riding a bike one, or in the tub. I've or, had one come in a dream. Only only one song. <laughs> that was that's on beautiful dream. That's on that record. Um, it's called the only way to heaven is alone. That song, on that record, uh, that was fully in, uh, through a dream. That's the only time that's ever happened. Wow. <laughs> um, every other time, it's just yeah. I don't know. I I I'm like I I feel there is a almost boyish excitement when a song comes because it's like, I'm just, I must be in the right place at the right time because there's a song happening and I am going to start recording the demo right now. It's like you're channeling it. Like it just comes from some other place and it's uh, from somewhere. And I, and I, and I like to be around for it. You know, if I, uh my best day, I, I, uh, like my, my most exciting day in general is when I have nothing scheduled. I have no session. I have no recording. I have no, and so I can just be in my studio for a day or for a night or whatever it is, and try to allow things to come. And I'm sitting there at the piano, or I'm sitting there with a guitar in my hand. I'm picking around. I'm playing some different stuff. Maybe I latch onto something and try to like pursue it. But ultimately, something really has to just come through, and and for, to be around for it, I think is part of the. It's part of the process for me, at least. And I know that like a lot of artists, um, you know, and including myself, like get really busy, you know, like you have to make, you have to take jobs, you know, music sure. jobs to, to pay your bills. And so like the idea of like sitting in your studio all day, you know, uh, more or less fooling around with instruments for a song to come is not exactly paying the bills in this moment, but you still, but, but you still have to make time and carve that time out for, for yourself to do that. Otherwise, you won't allow allow the, the creativity to breathe. Does it sometimes become frustrating if you carve out that time and then you know nothing's going oh, yeah. on? And oh, dude, <laughs> I mean that's like yeah, that, you, there you know moments of and talk talk about a draining moment. You know, like I I spent hours at the studio, like oh okay maybe I'll I'll, I'll chase that idea. Okay, no nothing dead end. Oh, I'll chase this idea. Okay, what do I write? About? What do I write about? What do I feel? 
oh, uh, you know, this feeling, no, that amounts to nothing, dead end. It's like, oh, man, what a worthless, am I even an artist? Am I a songwriter oh, at all? No. What am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's> the... <laughs> Not really. I don't, I don't get... I don't get too heavy with it, really, but there are, there is a split second of like, yeah. what the hell am I doing here? Yeah, you'd you know? be writing songs about that <laughs> feeling, though. I mean, you know, I guess yeah, well, exactly. You know, yes. that there's always some some source, I guess. But you, totally. you gotta, totally. yeah. Uh, that's uh, have, do you ever when you're writing a song think like, okay, I gotta write this song, I gotta write this song, and you know, it's just um, you, you, where you're where you kind of have a deadline and you're forced to kind of uh, make the creation oh. happen there there are certain projects that have deadlines um not with like songs that i put on my records though right right i don't give or at least i haven't done this yet um i don't give myself deadlines to to write songs uh-huh. if i'm if i'm producing something for other artists or doing a film score for a director obviously that's a different story yeah. it's like, hey yeah. this has got to be done by march 10th but um as far as songs it's it's not I, I can't work that way. I know some songwriters can, but for me, there has to be this open-ended idea of what could possibly come. What is the potential? What is possible with this idea? And if I have a if I have I've got to have this done by next Tuesday, that I'm already seeing that wall, and it's not helping me. Ah, uh, um, yeah. I I, I want to see an openness and what what could possibly be here and right. let's run after that yeah so you brought up a couple things you you've done some um uh scores for movies or not man i don't not maybe yeah. not, i don't know if you call it scores but uh yeah, you've done course. okay uh for for movies and stuff and then uh you also mentioned you write for other um musicians uh how, how does that work i mean how do you how do those people find you how do you find them you know wh- what's that yeah. what's that whole all about that business aspect about it's mostly for me it's been mostly like word of mouth um i'm uh i am big on community um i i can't stand the word networking but it is what it is. Yeah, that's. Uh, but but really, community is like is, is such an important thing for me. Um, when I'm in Chicago and I curate a, a listening room in Chicago, and we, you know, a lot of artists come through, a lot of people come through to listen to music and look at visual art, and growing uh-huh. community of people is where most of my work really comes from. Um, and people, you know, find out that oh, he, he you need to music for for a documentary or, Oh, you need some sound design for your short film or whatever. Um, I referrals are the greatest way and the most, um, to to me, that's the the most most exciting way to get work. Yeah. Yes. There it is. The most genuine. Um, and for me, thankfully the most, uh, regular, that, that is, it's more often a referral than anything else. Yeah. Okay. Um, I gotcha. Yeah. How long have you been doing that? Uh, film scoring I've been doing for, um, I took my first film scoring job. Um, I believe it was in 2016. Okay. Uh, yeah. So are these and, the kind of things that um, you learn about it at Berkeley School of Music? I mean, is that yeah? Are there classes on uh, you know the business yeah, was, end of it or things like that? Totally. That, so oh, okay. at Berkeley, like, that was one of my that was one an area that I focused in was was film scoring. So I did a prof- I did. A Berkeley is called professional music, um, which 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 could mean nothing. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, right. But what, but what it but what it allows for in the moment when you're there is to kind of piece together a major and a course of study rather than just doing songwriting or just doing performance or just doing music engineering. You can kind of say, okay, I'm going to do a third. So what I did was basically I split between songwriting, performance, and film scoring. Uh-huh. So I kind of like those were my three kind of like courses of of study and film scoring. I I, I learned so much and I I've always loved film music. Um, my brother and I growing up like we we watched movies all the time and we would would often take note of like the music and how the music was was like was uh communicating the story or the scene right like how, the intensity how building and yeah that kind of thing yeah 
Uh, so to do film scoring is like, it, it's a dream for me, really. Like I, I to sit in front of uh, a picture that a director has like put all their heart into and, and then it comes to me and I'm like there to serve that vision for the director is like, it's, it's such a great experience. You know, you're really creating, you're doing a lot of creation in scoring a film because, you know, a scene comes up and, and maybe the viewer of the movie doesn't quite recognize that this scene is going to uh, have a, you know, an important aspect to the film or yes, something like that. Totally. And by scoring it, you, you create that, you, you let them know. And so Absolutely. do you work with the director? You say like, okay, does it, you know, Hey, we're going to, this coming up in this, you know, next 15 seconds is going to be like the, you know, the climax of the movie. So we got to have something big here. I mean, do you have Absolutely. those discussions? That's how it works. Okay. <laughs> yes. And, and one of the, one of the coolest things for me is oftentimes directors are not musicians. Sometimes they are, but most of the time in my experience, they're not. And so the, the translation the, the part of the job of a film composer is to translate. So right. the director says, okay, this character has, is, is remembering this from their past and they are, they, they're, they're turning that emotion into this. And this is what's happening with the arc of this character. And they can use words, they can use metaphors. So like, okay, something nostalgic or something dark or something menacing or something like this. And it's my job to say, Oh, okay. I can try to get those emotions with this kind of, with this palette of music or this, pa this tone color of instrumentation. Um, and that's one of the most, when that works, when, 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 when I create something and then I send it back to the director and the director says, it's exactly the sound, like you nailed it. Wow. That is one of the most rewarding feelings. <laughs> yeah. And also what's so cool about that, what just the process in general is that the director is, is objectively right it, it, it is their vision, right? Like it's their characters, their story, their picture, it's their vision. So I can take that and I can, oh man, I really feel like doing this with this scene and, 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 and write all this music for the scene. And if the director says, nope, it's not working, immediately I take it back and it's gone. It's not working. It doesn't matter if I thought that it did help the, the picture. It's the director's vision. Right. So that, that's, that's the, it's the time in my in my life where the, I do have so much creative, I, I can pour so much creativity yet. I still am beholden to someone else's vision. And I really enjoy that because on my records, when I'm doing my thing, it's like I'm doing ex exactly everything that I want to do. You know, um, I want this sound. I want the guitar to sound like this. I want the vocal to sound like this. I want the piano to sound like that. I want to have this song come after this song, come after this song. It's pretty much all of my decisions. And then in film composing, it is up to a certain point, and I love that back and forth. That real collaboration with uh, the, yes. the the creative mind of the behind the movie, and totally. you're giving that director voice. Basically, you know, he's able to capture the the video aspect. He's able to you know educate the um, uh, the actors into the vision he has of it, and then you're working with him in a medium that maybe he's not even very comfortable with, and you're able to help him tell his story in, in that, you know, less conscious state sort of. Um, Absolutely. Cause yes, sometimes people, yes. you know, you might not even like a, 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 someone who's not as focused on the music of a movie or something doesn't even recognize that they're being drawn into a scene through the music aspect of it. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. That's some of the best. We have the phrase that we use often is, is more felt than heard. Oh yeah. You know, like something, we need something here that's more felt than heard. Okay. Okay, cool. I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> and that means something to you and you just uh, yeah, get right yeah. to the notepad. That's really awesome. And then you're not restricted to, you know, the music that you're able to create. You, you are able to bring in uh, other musicians, um, you know, maybe more symphony focused yeah, musicians totally. and stuff like that. And Absolutely. I mean, I know on your album that you um, have uh, a couple different violinists, um, on uh, on the album, am I right? Yes, about that? totally. As well as the new record that's coming out here in, in just a couple of weeks, the day before the Acorn. Show. Oh, really? You've got a new record yeah. coming out. Which what's that one? Yes. So the new record is called Golden Afternoon. Um, the single was just released. Um, uh, I guess what was it two days ago, three days oh, ago? Oh, yes. Okay, so that's this song. Um, that, uh, Simple as it goes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's on Spotify here. 
totally. Awesome. So that's the that's the brand new single, uh, and the record is going to be the record's called Golden Afternoon. It's going to be released April 29th. Wow. Um, and I am just so stoked about it. I'm Are so you, excited. That's great. Uh, Are you going to? Gonna share pl- it. So um, for anyone just joining now, I'm talking to Joe Joe George, who's going to be playing at the Acorn on uh, April 30th. And so your album is going to be releasing that day before. You're going to play some of those songs at the Acorn. Oh yeah, okay, I'm play <laughs> pretty much pretty much the whole album. Um, yeah, so we'll be doing. And I've got a great band with me. Yeah, These who's going to be playing like with you there? Top notch players. Um, I've got uh, a drummer Paul Grill who's played drums on. Beautiful Pretty dreams. much everything. He played on Beautiful Dreams. He's played on everything that I've done. Um, he's also my cousin, so we have a, we've got we've got blood. Oh, there you go. Going. You were talking about some of your cousins having. Uh, that's <laughs> exactly. awesome. But how yeah. awesome and fun to be able to play with your cousin. Yes, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. We we connect on many levels, and and working on music together is always. It's, it's a wonderful place to be. Um, so he's on drums. I got my good friend Patrick Dinnan playing upright bass. Um, oh, fun. Who is a wonderful player um, and a great musical mind. And then I have on the uh, my buddy Jake who's doing, uh, he's playing electric guitar. He's also playing some piano. And he's creating some other kind of sonic textures around the sound, around the songs as well. Um and you, if you're at the show, you will hear how wonderfully he does this. And he's a, he is a musical, he's a wizard. Um, and so Jake and I were on tour together just before the pandemic in Japan. And so we really connected on a lot of things. I played on his songs. He played on my songs. So since then, we, the two of us have, have become very collaborative and very, we kind of, um, we can kind of speak the same language really easily together. And so I'm really excited to have him on the show as well. Oh, that's great. You mentioned the pandemic. So what, uh, I mean, you, it sounds like you're on tour all over Europe and Asia. You went to Japan, uh, yeah. before. Uh, so right. what kind of things were you doing during the pandemic writing or, oh, or not on tour in Europe and Japan? Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> right. Lots of writing, um, yeah. lots of writing, lots of recording. And, um, you know, so I wrote this record golden afternoon. I wrote all these songs, uh, um, in the, first year in the like late 2020 early 20 right when everyone was like just thinking oh this is gonna be over in two weeks and uh right right we'll just hang Um, around here the house for a little bit longer and and then we'll be able to get out (laughs) yeah one more one more bag of groceries yeah (laughs) good on toilet paper but uh better run to the store (laughs) so i i I wrote this record. I wrote another record. Um, it's what kind of became a necessary part of the early pandemic months for me was I, I wrote uh, an ambient record um, where I played piano. It's like basically piano and string quartet. Um, it's all instrumental. It's very, uh, it's very ambient, modern classical, kind of minimalist, almost meditative music. Cool. When's um, that, is is so, that in the works as well? That is that is recorded and released. It's not under my. It's I, I went under the name Minor Image for that release. Okay. Um, it's it's just a very separate thing. So I, I didn't want to release it as Joe George because Joe George still remains songwriter and you know lyrics and and acoustic instruments and stuff like that. Um, and Let's so say this that thing again. Is minor just, Minor Image. Minor Image. Yeah. Just making sure everyone can hear that, the name of that. Uh, yeah, totally. That the, the record's called Holding Patterns. Um, and so, yeah, that was a... Well, like that's, I said, that's kind of, so cool that you could uh, kind of, you know, jibe like that. You know, you've got the the things under your name, and then you're going to do this one. And uh, yeah. did, you, did you play all the instruments on, on your uh, ambient record minor image? I played the all the piano stuff, and there's also like a lot of synth stuff that's kind of and with the synths. I just did like very kind of like cozy, cloudy sounds, because um, that's where I wanted to be in those early months of the pandemic. Yeah. I just wanted to try to create some kind of really pleasant, but maybe also mysterious kind of uh, tones to like sit on. So I did all that, and then I hired, and then I had string players record remote from their home studios um a couple in chicago one of them is in nashville 
Um, and so they sent me the, their recorded tracks. I wrote out the parts for them. They sent me the recorded tracks back to my studio and then I mixed it all together and put it up. It's amazing like how so many musicians were able to really, you know, roll with the punches and, and find new technologies and new ways of combining their, their, um, musicianship, uh, and good for you, you know, like you kept things yeah. going and you, uh, figure out, a, a something else. And, um, it sounds like you were really present in the moment and realized that, well, this is an opportunity to do just this and, uh, made it happen. Absolutely, man. Totally. I, I, I was really feeling like the idea of being a creative, like pandemic or not, I, I feel like my life is just a series of like different ways of being creative. And so when, you know, when all this hits, uh, when this, when this pandemic hit, it, it, it was like a couple months in my wife and I were talking, cause she's a creative person. Well, she's a writer and actor. And we had this conversation about how we are, we're doing, we're doing okay here. Like we're, we're getting by, we're doing okay. And we're doing things, we're creating things. And, and thankfully it, we, we felt, I guess, how do I say this? We felt thankful and grateful that we were, that we are creative people because we live our lives creatively anyways and in the music business it's like it's it's chaos it's like you know yeah it's already it like it's already like oh that happened okay i gotta go this way oh okay that opportunity fell through okay i gotta figure this out oh tour got canceled or whatever i gotta figure this out it's always a series of moving parts that you have to kind of figure out where you're going um and so when the pandemic hit it was definitely an intensified version of that but it felt like some version of just the creative life that we kind of already lived yeah. Oh, that's a really good, uh, you know, explanation for, for how that was going. And some people didn't handle it as well, but I, I think that the fact that you guys kind of figured it out while it was all going on, it, it left you in almost a better position. Yeah, when did you, it, it, so you it, were able to get back out there after a while and, uh, start touring again. Have, have you been overseas yet? No. So this Since is pandemic. actually my first time out since so, oh, so okay was, i was supposed to go on tour in um in october um that one got canceled that was going to be all around the country uh that one got canceled uh and then it was supposed to i was supposed to be on tour again in let's see like february march uh that one got canceled as well um so this one uh did not get canceled <laughs> so i am now and seriously like i am so grateful to be out on the road and sharing my new music with people it's it's an it's an unbelievable feeling um i'm walking through a park in austin right now as we speak oh you are with zoker um, park yeah you're walking through zoker park right now that's awesome what's that are you in zoker park you say no actually i'm not even sure what park this oh, is, okay. to be honest <laughs> well austin is uh <laughs> music capital of the world yeah no totally. it really so is I'm it's such an unbelievable place for it's, music and collaboration yes. and uh are you doing anything like that in austin or just yeah, on vacation oh good okay um oh yeah totally i'm i'm, I'm on tour right now i was in so i, I went from chicago and played in st louis and then i was to tulsa and then oklahoma city and now i just got to austin last night nice. um and i'm here for a few days doing a couple shows um and collaborating with some other friends uh making music um Pretty much, uh, I'm here for almost a week and, and doing something, either a show or some kind of session every night this week. So, Terrific. Wow, um, that's good planning yeah. to line all that stuff up uh, Absolutely. in that short period of time that you're there. So where are you going to so, play in Austin? Um, doing a, um, well, tonight we'll be going to Don's Depot for the residency that's been regular there for about, I think, almost 30 years. <laughs> um, and I will, uh, I will uh, jump on and do a few tunes tonight. Wednesday night, there's like a private, it's like a house show thing. And then Friday night will be the big show at Saxon Pub. Oh, that's going to be great. Yeah, Saxon Pub's a, a great venue. They, there's a lot of good music coming through there. I mean, totally. the whole town is just such a great place to, uh, you know, it's just such a big music place. Um, it really is, man. It's supportive and it's just, you know, you just meet good people every time you come through here that, that are genuine and I love yeah, being here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what's the music scene like in Chicago? Like how has that treated you? The music scene in Chicago has, um, 
treated me so well in more recent years, um, largely because of um, the Red Room, which is this space that. So oh, I the, used to the live. listening space you're talking about. Yeah, and yes. it's called the Red Room. Where's Where's that? The The Red Room. It's It's in Bucktown. Okay. All right. Um, and um, if If like If any of your listeners are on Instagram, it's Chicago Red Room. Um, and it is so I lived in the space for years and my cousin and I lived there together, Paul, the drummer. Uh-huh. And we decided to it's, it's this really great storefront space, high ceilings and like kind of like plenty of room, kind of like a loft space. Wow. That's so, not a lot um, of that left in Bucktown. It's all. Oh, off. man. People want to live near the loop. It is. Yeah. For real. <laughs> so like it is. um so we started doing this, I guess, um, probably about eight years ago, maybe nine years ago. Um, we started having shows and it's all geared towards like listening. You know, we don't do, you know, rock and roll or punk rock or heavy metal. Not that we don't love going to shows like that, but this space is more suited for singer songwriter, folk music, maybe even some experimental jazz and stuff like that. Um, and, the community again community is just the big word here it's like yeah. everybody supports the red room everybody in the neighborhood knows about the red room if there's a show everybody comes it's sold out every time everybody comes and listens uh and it's it's an amazing thing it's um we were inspired really like there were a couple of other places musically that we were inspired by mainly minneapolis uh-huh. um, places like that in minneapolis not even necessarily places like that but the artists, we, 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 we have this really good relationship with a number of artists in Minneapolis. And we felt every time we went there to play music, Paul and I, uh-huh. or every time they would be in town, there is this energy that they had that was like, it's like artists supporting all the other artists. They would talk about the other artists and, you know, we'd be talking with Frankie and he would be talking about Jeremy and then Jeremy would be talking about JT and JT would be talking about Siri. And, and like there was this really, they just breathe this like um, supportive breath. And we were like, man, we were, we were actually missing that in Chicago. Um, And maybe, maybe it's just that I wasn't in the right corners at the time, but I was missing that. So that 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 feeling was there, and then I was reading David Byrne's book. Oh right, um, I remember he came out with that. Yeah, it's called How Music Works. Oh yeah, that's right. It's a wonderful book, and he, there's this chapter. There there is a specific line, in, and there was a specific sentence in this chapter that said, "If you are uh, dissatisfied with your town's music scene, build a new one." Ah, that, and so, was that's like, so David just, Byrne. <laughs> I uh, dude, I literally like just got chills even just saying that again right now because I remember being just in my room reading that, reading that sentence, already kind of feeling these things of like, man, how do we get Chicago to like be more like this? And then it was like, boom, we we are we are starting a venue here and and like we are going to support touring artists that come through. We're going to su- support local Chicago songwriters and and people are gonna are gonna freaking love this place. And that's what we did, and it is gone so well even better than we could have imagined um and so that is to me now it's kind of strange to say that the chicago music scene for me revolves around this space that that i started but that's that is the way that i feel i can't deny it i can't like you know i can't skirt around it (laughs) well that's terrific though you know you saw um a, a lapse in the in the community and you helped create a stronger one and sounds like this is exactly what the the town needed hopefully yeah. there's more of that kind of stuff going on because you know it's it, it's unpleasant when uh you have like competition among musicians or i mean to yeah. see collaborations like this to see a a free form kind of space where people can gather and and uh you know bounce ideas off each other along those lines and what a what a beautiful setup that's terrific it Good really for you. is the best. That's I, great. I hope sometime you're, I hope you're in Chicago sometime when we're having a show and you can come and, and experience the space, and, and uh, I hope that happens. Oh, I'd love to. That sounds great. Well, uh, we're getting close to the end here, but uh, we've got your show. That I'm talking to Joy George, Joe George. <laughs> I've done that more than once. I don't know how that happened. It's all good. <laughs> um, coming to the Acorn Theater on April 30th. 
uh, doing a double bill with Abby Thomas and her band. Uh, and it's going to be an unbelievable night. It, you know, the whole weekend is going to be a lot of fun. There's all kinds of stuff going on that weekend, but to, to have both of you guys on the stage there that same night, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, it's going to be so great. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. And I really hope if to any, any listeners right now, like if you're sure if, if you're thinking about coming, grab a ticket and we are like this we're in this era now of we're coming into this pandemic at least right now at, at least right now we know that these shows are happening and so let's fill the room and let's fill the room with love and fill the room with music and fill the room with people and um i just i'm just so thrilled to to be a part of it that's great uh good ending there <laughs> joe <laughs> great talking to you looking forward to seeing you when you come to town where are you going to be um in between austin and uh, three oaks michigan I will be in Chicago uh, playing at the Red Room. I'll be playing two nights. I'm playing. I'm doing a solo performance on the 28th, and then I'm playing with the band on the 29th. The same band that's going to be with me at the Acorn. Oh, that's going to be great! So you guys will be all yes. ready to go. <laughs> all ready. We're going to be all tuned up. Well, enjoy Austin weather. I understand it's like 80 degrees and sunny there today, and uh, yep. it is not that nice here today. We've got. It snowed last night. I mean, I don't even know what to tell you. Oh, wow. But okay. uh, well, it's supposed to get warmer. Texas sun. Bring, some bring some of that Texas sun. You. Yes. <laughs> awesome. All right. Sounds good. Well, we'll see you on the 30th. And thanks again. Take care. Thanks man. so much, John. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was Joe George. What fun. I'm really looking forward to seeing him uh, April 30th at the Acorn. Get your tickets now. That way, you know, you can make sure that uh, you get a seat and – um, make sure you get to see him and Abby Thomas too. She is going to be terrific. She's, uh, she's got her own extreme talents too. Um, what a, you know, he just digs deep. He's, he's just way in there. What, what a, what a pleasure. I'm going to close us out with, um, his, uh, single that he's now got from this very latest album that he's going to be uh, playing a lot of. The song is called simple as it goes. And you've been listening to uh, Johnny Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman, and you've been listening to us on Radio Harbor Country, WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. And here we go. Simple as it goes. Seems like you were